This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. So we are week three of our Little Black, seri- Little Black Book series on love and dating and marriage and all the fun stuff in between. If you missed any of the first two weeks, definitely get on the podcast. Any podcast platform, you can look up. Thank you, Gavin. Give a man a hand. Any podcast platform, you can, you can search Elevate Student Ministry and get caught up. Every week builds on the previous week. So uh, there'll be aspects of tonight that won't make quite as much sense unless you've heard the other two. So definitely catch up when you can. Uh, Last week was like really lighthearted and fun and silly. We kind of like made fun of ourselves. We got to chuckle about how we're different. Tonight we're going to talk about our differences, but tonight is like so crucial to my heart because these are seeds that can be planted in you that are going to be a generational benefit. But I do want to start off with just kind of a, a crazy story about Jackie and I. We'd only been married a couple of years. I was a youth pastor full-time for, I guess, my first full year, and I decided to blend the two things that I love the most, youth ministry and camping. So I ventured to take 10 students and a couple of leaders out into the Ozark Mountains and try to keep them alive for a weekend. Jackie had actually done this exact trip multiple times with a camp that she was associated with, and I had never gone with her. So I, I went out ahead of time, and I hiked all the trails. I got to know everything really well. And I came back, I bought a map and everything. And so I sat down with her and said, these are the trails I'd like you to take. I discovered a waterfall that she didn't know about. I was like, take this trail, go this way, cool waterfall. It's going to be great. And my plan was I will drop off everybody at the trailhead. Then I will drive our bus around to where the trail exits so that they could hike out a different direction. Does that make sense to you? Come in one way, exit the other way. But she would have to lead the group in one direction. And I, and I would take a student for safety, we hiked in the opposite direction. We'd meet in the middle where we were going to camp. Like this scene, airtight, waterproof, whatever you want to say. And I hiked in. Yay, me and this guy's name was Cameron. And we got to where we were going to camp. And I went to the edge of the river where their trail would cross. And we sat down and we waited for them to come marching down the trail and give us big waves and smiles. And we waited for hours. Hours. It started getting dark. And then it got darker. And I'm like, they, they had half a mile less of hiking than we did. Like, where are they? And soon it was pitch black. And I've I've lost students in the Ozark Mountains. I've lost my wife in the Ozark Mountains. There's no cell phone reception. This is bad news for a youth pastor. I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a wife. Like, what do I go home to? So I hiked all the way up their trail, almost up to the top. And I spent the whole day hiking already. My students, like, laying on the ground, you know, like, dude, get up. I hear banjo music. And we were, like, got to the side of the mountain, and we looked down, and we see a speck of campfire. And it was like, there could be other people camping. So we hiked back down the trail, 
And as we came up on the campfire, sure enough, familiar faces, familiar voices, they cheered and shouted. One kid was so excited, he threw his sleeping bag over a fire to come hug me because they thought we were lost. <laughs> like, no, 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 you were lost. No, you were lost. Ah. They were also really hungry. I had all the food. <laughs> that night, my wife and I retired to our tent, and we had the most vehement whisper argument of our marriage. I was so furious. I hiked the trail basically three times, and she went the whole night thinking that I was out in the dark eaten by a bear. And when I look back now, I see some of what was happening. I had laid out the map, and I told her, I'd like you to take this trail to go this way. And what happened was, when she got to a point that things were kind of confusing, instead of doing what I asked, she relied on, she's been here before, she hiked the trails that were familiar. In her mind, get them to where they're supposed to go safely. In my mind, take my route so you can see the cool waterfall, and I'll know where you're at. And so we went a circle around and around and around and around. And I was so upset and she was so furious and I couldn't understand why she wouldn't just do what I asked her to do. And she couldn't understand why I didn't just care that she knew her way. Looking back, I'm seeing the value of, of understanding each other's point of view. And, and these are the kind of arguments that they, they still are in my life today. We still have trouble seeing from each other's perspective. And that's what I'd like to unpack tonight is a very not political subject, not politically correct subject, but it's scripture. And it's also the seeds of you having health in your marriage someday. So I want to open with the question, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always dreamed of? Because some of you guys are going to start dabbling in dating. Some of you guys are going to start rolling around this idea of romantic relationships. And if you don't have a goal in mind, you're just wandering aimlessly. Personally, and we'll go over this next week of what, how do you know when you're ready to date? What are some checkmark things that it's time that you're like, okay, I am at a place in my life that I'm ready. That's not tonight. But I do want to elevate your understanding of the purpose of what a romantic relationship is so that you have a goal of where you're going. That is a healthy, lifelong marriage. Healthy, thriving, full of passion and intimacy and unity. That is my goal for you. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Paul unpacks this for us. Ephesians chapter 5, 31 through 33. And we're going to start with the end of his discussion, and then we're going to back up and look at this. And thanks to our awesome church, you've probably heard this before. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Notice he's quoting Genesis that we read last week. His father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. So what Paul is doing is he's, he's taking a marriage, but he's not just looking at it for simply a marriage. He's actually elevating it as a picture of the relationship between God and his people. So the idea is that when we look at a marriage, we should see a reflection of God and his glory and his people. And when we look at God and how he relates to his people, we should see an example of a healthy marriage. However, let each one of you, talking to the men, love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So both a man and a woman are created, as we talked about last week, with unique giftings. Sometimes those giftings clash, like we talked about. We had a great time talking about that. Tonight, Paul is describing here that men and women also have unique core needs, something deep down inside of us 
that we have a desire to receive from the other person. When a husband serves his wife's need, it brings unity to their marriage and it reflects Jesus. When a wife serves her husband's core need, it brings unity to the marriage and it reflects the church. Now, both men and women need love and respect, both of us, absolutely. But when it comes right down to it, both are waiting for one from the other. And the only way that these are going to apply, I asked you, are you willing to do whatever it takes, is if both of us, if both you, your future husband, your future you, if you're willing to be selfless, if you're willing to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to not just be right, but to be good, to have health, and to thrive. The deepest need of the woman that Paul seems to unpack is love. She needs to feel affection, importance, protected, provided for. She wants to know that she has been chosen and that she holds someone's heart. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Thank you, Miko. Remember, she is she, her mind operates like spaghetti. We talked about that. Go check it out if you weren't here last week. It's spaghetti. So every, every emotion, thought, and issue touches every other thought, emotion, and issue. And whenever she feels love, when she feels that she has that, that affirmation, that connects to every other thought, emotion, and issue. So whatever problem she meets during the day, it is colored by that value that she has received. The deepest need of a man is respect. He needs to feel affirmation for his character, his abilities, and his achievements. He wants to feel that someone believes in his adequacy and his ability to handle life. Remember, he's a waffle. He's a waffle head. He goes one box at a time, right? So when he feels respected, he will carry that feeling of respect into every box that he deals with in his day. And no matter how difficult and insoluble the problem, he feels like he has the chance to be a little more successful because that need has been met in him. The beauty is that when, and this is so key for the rest of the night, when the husband is willing to give love to his wife, her natural inclination is to show respect for him. And whenever the wife shows respect for her husband, his natural inclination is to offer love. And it becomes this beautiful cycle. It turns around and around. When one needing, when each need is being met, it becomes a cycle of being energized. It energizes the marriage. We've got a, a picture. Now, remember, none of this is mine. I have no wisdom under myself. You can check out the book. It's called Love and Respect. You can get it off Amazon. It creates this, this cycle of energizing one another. And I, I'm pretty sure, and you can ask the couples, you can submit as, submit as one of the questions. As long as you are energizing each other, I don't think there's a roof. I think that just grows and grows and blossoms into beauty into grace, into unity, into passion, into intimacy, into all those awesome things that bring a thriving marriage. I don't think there's a ceiling on this thing. But the danger is that when one withholds that core need, when the wife withholds respect, then the husband naturally withholds love. When the husband withholds love, she naturally withholds respect, and it becomes destructive, and both start feeling insecure and frustrated with their relationship, and it becomes a crazy cycle. And the bad news of a crazy cycle is that as it spirals downwards, there is a bottom to this, and it's destruction and pain. 
Maybe you guys have witnessed a crazy cycle happen with your parents. Maybe you saw something like what me and Jackie do every now and then, or we just spiral in this. Maybe some of you, and at the risk of insulting really good and godly people, but I care enough about your marriage and about your children, your children's children, that I've got to throw this out there. Maybe some of you have some wounding in your heart that you live with that is a product of your parents' crazy cycle. And you're like, how do I, how do I beat this? How do I defeat this? How can I have, how can I have health? How, how can we not argue about petty things? People that get divorced over who, how you squeeze the toothpaste had nothing to do with toothpaste. It had a long history of a crazy cycle in their marriage. And this is just what they point at. I find it really interesting. This is backing up talking about men and their need for respect. 400 men were polled by a university. 400. And they were asked, would you rather feel alone and unloved or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected? 74% of them said they would rather feel alone and unloved than to feel disrespected or inadequate. That's just crazy to me. We have to learn how to defeat the crazy cycle. How do we break this thing? How do we grab this merry-go-round in full motion and start turning it the other way? Let's go back to Ephesians 5.33. It says, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Notice that this doesn't leave room for an if-then argument. If she will respect me, then I will love her. If he will love me, then I'll respect him. There's no if-then here. Look how Jesus models selflessness. 1 John 4.10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a substitute for sin. While we were in rebellion, while we were rejecting Jesus, when we were living for ourselves, the Bible says that there was enmity, there was hate between us and God. In the midst of that, Jesus still chose and broke the cycle by loving us. Not that we have loved God, but he first sent his son and and loved us. And here's some good news. It only takes one to break the crazy cycle. You don't have to drag your future spouse to counseling. Maybe you do. But let's begin here. It only takes one to break this. But the only person you can actually change is yourself. You're going to have to be the one that is feeling hurt, that is feeling the lack of, and make a conscious decision for the sake and the health of the person that you love most and break the crazy cycle. If you're not liking what you're getting, change what you're giving. So how do we do this? How can we grab this merry-go-round in full speed and begin to to turn it the other way? Ephesians, this is Paul. These are the verses right before what we've already read. This is where he unpacks it, 5, 21 through 24. And as we read these verses, I want you to catch two things. They discuss, one, how we have unity with Jesus, and the second level is how to have unity in marriage. Verse 21, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Number one question, what unites Christ and the church? Our, God's people, submitting to Jesus. And what brings unity in a marriage? Wives submitting to their husbands. That is not politically correct. That is not the way the world works. But it... Before I go on, I want you to take a minute and think about your female leaders that are in this room. Think about their marriages. 
Do we have any female leaders that are not strong, independent women? That's why we get them to preach all the time, because they're awesome, and they have so much to contribute. Not one of them is a pushover. Not one of them is a, is a doormat. Every one of them can stand on their own two feet. This is not a discussion on, on laying down on behalf of somebody else. We're going to unpack that more in a minute. But I just want you to think about how awesome your female leaders are. How do we break the cycle and begin the energizing cycle? Ephesians 5, 25, we're going to pick up. Husbands, love your wives. How do you love them? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What unites the Christ and the church? Jesus sacrificing himself for us. What brings unity in a marriage? A husband who sacrifices himself for his wife. So how do we break the crazy cycle? Wives are told to submit to their husbands and allow them to lead. This is her primary way of showing respect. And husbands are told to sacrifice himself and give up his personal gains for hers and his family's sake. This is his primary way of showing respect love. And when there's unity, it reflects the glory of God. Look how our husband, Jesus Christ, sacrificed himself so we could be washed and clean. That's so amazing to me. What can we do as God's people, as his bride? That's weird for a guy to say. What can we do as the bride of Jesus in response to his sacrifice, but to be obedient to him. Jesus actually pulls it out. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Okay. Out of his, as a response to his love, we obey Christ. Think about this. When an unbeliever visits your house someday, the way that you and your spouse interact with each other is going to be perhaps the closest thing to church that they'll ever know. They were going to be attending church in your home by how you love and respect each other, by the example that you set. If God's people are not obedient to Jesus Christ, then what is the unbeliever going to think about the cross? It must not have very much weight. As God's people, we are called to pursue righteousness, to pursue Jesus, to live like him, and to reject what is evil. They should see that in our home. Future husbands, submit to God by sacrificing for your wives. Future wives, submit to God by respecting your husbands. And what's the benefit of obeying God? Paul is actually pulling from Genesis. Let's read those verses in Genesis. These are fun. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both, what? Naked and ashamed. Not and unashamed. So there's unity, one mind, one heart, one purpose, one drive, one flesh. But I love this. It's not just talking about sex here. Get this. A naked marriage, this isn't a sexual reference. This is a marriage without shame. This is a marriage without secrets, without the baggage of past relationships, of complete transparency, of oneness, of knowing each other completely. Where you're one-minded, where you thrive. That is a marriage without shame. And that's what I want for you one that is completely 
open and free, where you're never having to be insecure with the person that you love most. That is the benefit of meeting each other's core needs, of obeying God. It's so good. So to the ladies, I know I'm like, I'm like way out in left field of what you would hear on the news, right? In the idea of our politically correct culture, the idea of submission to anyone carries the fear of becoming a doormat because they're going to exercise an abuse of power for their selfish gain. But I want to, I want to flip the script just a little bit. Submission is a military term. And it means coming under a mission. It's a military term for flanking, as in, as in, gentlemen, I'm going to plunge head on towards the enemy, and you guys are going to come from the left and flank them, and we will have victory together. It's a mode of unity. There has to be, I think Pastor Renee used to say, that a, a, anything that's a two-headed monster can't live. Someone's got to take the charge to rush head on, but we have victory together in our unity. Respecting your future husband is going to bring that unity. Now, I do want to say this. If you are, forecast next week, if you are not willing to be, ladies, under a mission, a purpose, a direction, then you're not ready for a romantic relationship in your life. You're just looking for a little boy to give you all, all the things you want. That's the reality of it. You are not ready to date, ladies, until you are ready to come under a mission with a purpose and a drive and a goal. You are not called to submit to a little boy. Until you have said, I do, you still have the freedom to choose wisely. You're commissioned to obey Jesus, to obey your parents, and because of Romans, to obey your governing authorities, which is getting harder. None of those apply until you've looked what I hope is a man of God in the face and say, I do. Choose someone wisely, someone that you're willing to submit to. If the head, here's some wisdom, girls, please pay attention. If the husband is head of the family, you need to ask yourself, who is his head? Who is his authority? Because it should be Jesus. You need to know who this boy serves before you're willing to throw your lot in with him, to attach yourself to him. Because if he doesn't serve Jesus, you don't want to be under his leadership. I love this. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. His disciples are arguing about who's going to have the most power in the coming kingdom. Matthew 20, 25, and he says this, Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the unsaved, they lord it over them. They, and they're great ones. They exercise authority. They use their power to abuse and put people underfoot. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Future wives, in the marriage of, that you hope for, does your husband submit to Jesus? Because if Jesus is his role model, then you're going to have a husband who's going to spend his days sacrificing and serving for you and your family. That is the kind of husband that is worthy for you to say, take lead. 
I'm willing to run with you. I'm willing to come under a mission. Ladies, choose wisely. Choose a man who has surrendered to Jesus. Let him lead and watch the energizing cycle take its work. Break the crazy cycle. To men. I love talking to men. Because as a guy, I feel like I can be a little bit more intense. But, you know, I'm not going to beat up on you too much. Because I'm actually in it now, and I've got to, you know, practice what I preach. To the men, future husbands, you're commanded by your authority, Jesus Christ, to love her through sacrifice. This means giving up what you want moment by moment. This means letting go of maybe some of your favorite hobbies, some of your favorite friends, to let go of those things that are not in the best interest of your bride and your family. You are to submit to Jesus by sacrificing yourself and what you want for them. No, there's no, no, no way around it. If Jesus loved you by sacrifice, then you better believe that he's going to call you to sacrifice for your family and show them love. And I'll tell you, a woman can join that mission. It's far easier for her to respect a man who makes Jesus his role model. It's far easier for her to be submissive to a man who serves Jesus when you're being sacrificial. She's going to be, feel comfortable serving that mission because she's going to believe that you have her best interest in mind. You're going to have the privilege of sacrificing your wants for your family's needs. Here, just side note, one of the best ways you can show her that you love her is you make her your number one advisor. You don't make decisions until you said, I've I got to hear you out on this. Tell me everything you see. Because remember, she's spaghetti. You're going to make your best decisions if you allow her to tell you all the different things that connect to this decision. 99% of the time, Jackie and I always agree on things because when we brought our gifts to the table, the decision's pretty clear. And thank you, Jesus, in the 1% time that she allows me to lead, even if she's not terribly happy with it, and I make a mistake, she forgives me. And she doesn't withhold her respect because of my mistake. And in, in the times that I'm right, I don't, I don't get all excited and boast about it. We celebrate together. We're a team. Thank you, Jesus. Submission means that she is stepping under your mission. Now, men, pay attention to me. Future husbands, listen. If your mission is nothing greater than yourself, if it doesn't look beyond yourself, then you're asking her to step under the mission of just making you her purpose. Do you hear the selfishness in that? Come, be married to me. Submit to whatever I want. No. So men, if you do not have a mission and a purpose in life that is greater than yourself, you're not ready to date. You're not ready for a romantic relationship. To call a woman to say, are you ready to take on life with me? Because anything else is selfishness. And if you're not looking for a woman to join you in your mission, you're just looking for a little girl to make you feel good about yourself. I want more for you than that. And just in wisdom, if a girl is not going to submit herself to Jesus, she's not going to submit herself to you. Men, choose wisely. Choose a woman who's already surrendered herself to Jesus. Sacrifice for her continually and watch that energizing cycle gain momentum. Future wives, trust him. Believe in him. Support him and join him. Every day, your husband is asking the question, are you proud of me? Do you admire me? Do you trust me? Future 
Future husbands, give her unconditional affection. Show her that she's more important than your next phone call. Show her that she's more important than the other hobbies in your life. Break off what you're doing right now to send her a text message or schedule time for her. Sacrifice for her. Display your love extravagantly because every day she is asking, do you choose me today? Affirm her with a yes, moment by moment. And when our relationships reflect God's plan, we inspire each other. I know for a fact that in the times that Jackie's willing to submit to me, when she's not terribly excited about it, it like it just blows my mind that, like, why me? Like, what have I got? And I just pour out love on her, and I imagine she feels the same way. Break the crazy cycle. It only takes one of you to do it, but it takes being selfless. As a recap, a woman's deepest need is love. A man's deepest need is respect. When given, they create the energizing, energizing cycle. I keep having like the, the rabbit thump, thump, thump. Withheld, it creates the crazy cycle. But the good news is it only takes one to break it. Love expressed through sacrifice. Love is expressed through sacrifice. Respect is expressed through submission. And they fuel the energizing cycle. When both of you are obeying the Lord, it brings mar- unity to the marriage and it shows the relationship between Jesus and us. He sacrificed for us. We should obey him. So I ask you again, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always dreamed of? I'm excited about next week. We're going to start unpacking who we are called to be in a dating relationship. And we'll have those lines. Are you ready? Are you really actually ready in in your maturity to jump into this or not? It's going to be fun. Next week's a lot of fun. These are not truths that are easy for us to hear guys we're supposed to give up our dreams our wants our feel-good things for her ladies you're supposed to let him lead i can tell you that and, and this is just me speaking as a guy you can hear we have plenty of awesome lady speakers all the time but this is just me i can tell you that one of the most painful things is that I, that i see is whenever a guy feels emasculated when he tries to take lead or he tries to make a decision or, or he just tries to stand on his own two feet to feel confident about life. And I watch in other relationships, I watch the wife just pick at him and make fun of him or, or drag him down. And I just watch him curl up into himself. And I'm like, that is a relationship that I bet you it's hard for him to love. You know what? It works the other way too. Why? If you see a woman that is not feeling loved, Every aspect of her day seems wounded. It's like she carries this weight with her. Like, pay attention to couples around you. Pay attention to the healthy ones. It doesn't take much to recognize. You will know a healthy couple, or you'll at least know if they're in a healthy place, and that when you meet them, by eye contact. It is 100% across the board. If you're, if you're with them in the restaurant, or you see them across the room, or you're hanging out with them, and they make lots of eye contact, they're doing well. Things are going well. And if they're not, if they're looking away from each other, they'll talk to each other, but, but not look right at it, I'm telling you. It's consistent. Start studying those people in your lives. Start looking at their marriages. See if this is true. When we get those couples up on stage that have been married for 30 years, that have loved Jesus and given themselves the Lord first and their partner second, ask them these questions. Text them. But we can put that number up at the end. Text them and say, really? God, I'm supposed to submit to my husband? Really, I'm supposed to give up? Does that actually work? Won't I become a doormat? Won't he just boss me around all the time? First of all, you need to choose wisely because you need a husband that's more interested 
in a purpose beyond himself. That's beside here. Beside this, you already heard me get on a soapbox about that. Here's your challenges for the week. Number one, catch up if you miss one of the weeks. Because everything after this is standing on these early weeks. Number two, our first commission as singles in this room, our first commission is to give all of our love and respect to Jesus Christ. Pray tonight. We'll even let's take a moment right now. Uh, can I have keys come back up? This is spontaneous. Take a moment right now and ask the Lord how He would like you to sacrifice and be obedient in your life today, tomorrow, this coming week. Let's take a few minutes because all of us are called because he sacrificed for us, for us to be obedient to him. What are the areas in your life that you've been holding back obedience from? You're like, Lord, I'll give you my whole life. I'll give you this whole thing, but I'm going to keep this corner right over here for me. You're, it's, it's not even going to be that big of a deal. Lord, you won't see it. You won't miss it. It's not like it's that useful, but this right here, this is for me. What is the place that he's calling you to obedience in, sacrificial obedience in? And let's take just 30 seconds, a minute, and let's pray and ask the Lord that he'll speak to our hearts tonight. seconds and the Lord hit me with something. I hope he spoke to your hearts tonight. Heavenly Father, we surrender to you first. We submit ourselves under your leadership. You are our shepherd and you guide us, protect us, provide for us. Lord, you discipline us too. 
Lord, I pray for the marriages and for the children that are represented in this room. You may have called some or many of them to singleness for periods of their lives or their whole lives, but Lord, let seeds be planted in every one of them that you have called to dedicate their life to someone, to choose someone and then become theirs. And I pray, Lord, they don't jump the gun. They don't allow emotions to control them. That they choose wisely because love is a choice, not an emotion. Lord, let their marriage be full of your love because they put you first. That you are the number one and their spouse is number two so that it's your love that they are pouring out for their spouse. Thank you, Lord, for men and women of God that are raising up, that you are raising up in this room. Lord, let their let them become young people that become men and women of God on a mission that are going somewhere greater than themselves so that they don't selfishly become their own mission. Give them a fresh anointing with your Holy Spirit. If there's anyone in here, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray that you prick at their hearts. Pursue them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Let them not know peace until they know the Prince of Peace. Lord, if there's anyone that is riding the fence that plays a game at Elevate and puts on a whole different face at school or with other friends, kick them off the fence because the enemy owns the fence. Lord, we are either wholehearted for you, Lord, or we are missing the boat. Bring deep conviction. Bring a renewed passion for your word. Let scripture dominate our lives and let it form our worldview instead of trying to take our worldview and manipulate scripture. Lord, let us praise you with every breath that we take, with every deed that we do, with every thought that we think. Lord, I pray that we will not only see our days as gifts from you, but we will turn around and take our day and make it an altar and an offering back to you so that we aren't walking selfishly looking for what we can gain from our day, but we are walking selflessly, righteously, lovingly, making our day to glorify and elevate you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing at Elevate. It is an honor to serve you. And we give you all of who we are. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.